I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and tonight we are recording an election night edition of Fifth Emission. Super Tuesday is over, and what happened Wednesday is just a few minutes away. So joining me to break down what we learned tonight is our political reporting duo, John Wildermuth and Joe Garofoli. Joe is also the host of It's All Political, and we are also publishing this podcast there. So welcome to all of Joe's listeners. So gentlemen, what did we learn tonight? Well, we learned that uh, Joe Biden's not dead. Uh, (laughs) No, he bounced back like... uh, I mean, just two weeks ago, everybody was uh, pretty much uh, writing his obituary and saying, Poor Joe, he's passed it, and Bernie's, you know, on the freeway to the White House, or at least to the November election. And now that's not the way it looks. Um, Biden probably is going to finish up with not very, not many less delegates than Bernie has uh, by the time everything's counted. And uh, it's a race now, and it's a two-person race. Yeah, and it was it was even uh, like five days ago he was uh, almost dead, and what revived him was the South Carolina primary and uh, black voters. Black voters uh, are uniting. Essentially, Joe Biden is uh, reconstituting the Obama uh, uh, coalition that brought uh, President Obama into the White House twice. Black voters, suburban white folks, and uh, and he's bringing along women too. And a lot of people that are scared to see Bernie uh, Sanders as the Democratic uh, Democratic nominee going against Donald Trump. Yeah, that seemed very obvious. You were pointing out that of all of the, um, you called them zombie candidates, but the candidates who have dropped out in California, how many people who voted early before they dropped out, how many people did they all get? Well, there were uh, there were four uh, candidates. The uh, mail ballots went out the first part of February. And after those ballots landed, four candidates dropped out. Uh, uh, Yang dropped out, Buttigieg, uh, uh Amy Klobuchar and Tom Steyer. And when you add them all up, they got about 19.5% of the uh, votes cast in California so far. So that would have made a huge difference to some candidate, you would think, if they had dropped out a little bit earlier. But it also seems that a lot of last-minute endorsements and the consolidation of this race played in at least two really huge states for Joe Biden, Minnesota and Massachusetts. Bernie Bernie Sanders won Minnesota uh, four years ago over Hillary Clinton, and uh, Amy Klobuchar was, of course, the the uh, favorite there. And Joe Biden won. That was that was an upset. Um, he also, uh, I think, it also helped uh, Biden in uh, states like North Carolina, which uh, and Virginia, which are, are states that uh, he was uh, that were, were going to be tough for fights for him. Well, if you look at the exit polls, what you'll really see is that the people who decided late. The people who came in and actually voted, not going in and said, I'm going to vote for, oh, what the heck, Joe Biden. They really broke for Biden. Interestingly enough, uh, in uh, Colorado, which is a state that uh, Bernie Sanders won, they had a huge male vote. A lot of that vote is by male. Matter of fact, California's uh, uh, vote center is uh, based on the Colorado model. And the early votes there were huge for Bernie. But the late votes, again, broke for Biden. You're seeing that throughout the country. And how do you think that's going to play out in the next couple of weeks? Is that something that will be maintained now that it seems that uh, the more moderate wing is coalescing around Biden? There's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag over the next couple of weeks. Uh, some of the, the next uh, states are uh, Michigan, 
which is a state that Bernie narrowly won in 2016. Uh, uh, but that's that's a state where I think Bernie uh, on Joe Biden will be stronger than Hillary Clinton in that state. Uh, he's, Why is that? He appeals, you know, his he is uh, one of the uh, appeals of his campaign is that he is the sort of the lunch bucket guy, the Pennsylvania, the guy from Scranton. I will do well in Wisconsin and, and Michigan and in Pennsylvania, the states that narrowly went for Trump last time. And he's a big union guy. And uh, Michigan is a big union state even now. Uh, you're, one thing you're going to see, though, is that uh, now it becomes uh, you can vote for Biden and not feel bad because you're voting for somebody that now you think has a chance. And I think that's what you're going to see in these next uh, these next few uh, primaries that are coming up. And uh, you're going to see people that are going to say, well, it's a two person race and let's pick one of them. Let's go back and talk about California. Um, Bernie crushed the competition it seems like here but as we have explained and i'm going to make you do it again john that doesn't necessarily mean he gets all 400 plus of our electoral votes so how explain to everybody what that how that actually gets doled out well uh about one third of california's delegates go to the person or people that finish above 15 percent with at least 15 percent of the vote statewide uh before I guess last week, there were real questions as to whether Joe Biden could, could meet that 15% thing. Also, even Bloomberg. And if nobody else had met it but uh, Bernie, he would have gotten all those ballots, every single one of those delegates. But the other two-thirds uh, go to the winner in each of the uh, state's 53 congressional districts. And at least as of about a half hour ago when I took a look at it, uh, Bernie Sanders was leading in just about every single one of those districts. So He's going to get a pretty good amount of uh, votes out of California, but he's not going to sweep it. It's not going to be the type of sweep that he was hoping for, say, even a week ago. And as we are uh, talking at this moment, uh, three people are going to get a piece of the statewide delegate count. That's uh, Sanders, Bloomberg and Biden. Yeah, let's talk about Bloomberg. He didn't seem to do very well in basically any other state, but Californians like him. Hey, American Samoa. He won oh, okay, that. I'm American. He won that. And he has a second I mean, place. they also second. went for Gabbard, so, you know. <laughs> we had to get an American Samoa reference in there. Uh, he, uh, he spent a half a billion dollars and he got nothing better than, at this point, one second place finish. Uh, he, his strategy of waiting out the first four contests tanked terribly. Uh, he's going back to New York. Uh, uh, he's on, on route there as we speak. He'll, on Wednesday, he's going to start reassessing his campaign. Well, the big thing is, is he was hoping for Joe Biden to completely tank, uh, come up, do terrible, lose uh, South Carolina, have Bernie pull in, and he was going to be the savior. He was going to be the uh, the moderate person that can actually beat Bernie and then beat Trump. As a matter of fact, it was kind of funny before, I guess, before the last debate, Joe, he came out and suggested without ever having been in a... Uh, in a primary that it was time for all the other uh, moderates to drop out of the race and clear the, uh, clear it for him. Right. It didn't happen. I, I was talking to someone uh, tonight who said that, uh, Biden tonight should get an assist or, or got a great assist from Elizabeth Warren because if, uh, if she didn't sort of slice and dice him in that first debate, 
he wouldn't have looked so bad. Well, he probably would look bad on his own, but he looked extra bad after Warren took him out. Extra special bad. There were states that Biden won tonight where he may not have even visited or spent any money in at all. And then we have Bloomberg spending what would be a fortune to 100 people. Uh, what does that say about campaign spending and how important it is? Well, Biden spent uh, $2.2 million, I think, across the 14 states, which is nothing. And like virtually nothing. He spent very little here in California. It's like why Bloomberg paid his interns. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Couch uh, change. It, and uh, it, it, our story that's uh, up on SF Chronicle now is that it shows that how important momentum is in, in politics. Momentum is, is is bigger than a well-planned campaign sometime. A moment, uh, which Biden has had, uh, as the big man said a couple uh, over the last couple of days, has been more important. Well, what you want to look at now is... Uh, you're going to see tons of people jumping on the, the Biden bandwagon. You're going to see, uh, oh, he's been having trouble raising money. That ends. Uh, he's going to be taking money. A lot of people are going to be coming and saying, is it possible that I can write you a check right now? Because again, people want to be associated with a winner and he looks like he could be a winner right now. Aside from the fact that the business community is scared to death that Bernie Sanders would be the nominee. And so is Silicon Valley. The tech interests, uh, at least the tech leaders are the tech workers like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Well, the Sanders appeals to the young people, but the, you know, the progressive wing has also said they want to break up companies like Facebook and these mega corporations that have so much influence on our lives. Um, what is going to be clearer tomorrow morning when we wake up? Is there anything that's going to become solidified in our heads? Do you think is Elizabeth Warren going to hang in there? She says she, so. Yeah. I mean, and, Realistically, she's got money and uh, she lost her home state, not even by a little bit, by a lot. She finished third. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, reasonably in the best of all possible worlds and people thinking things through, she drops out tomorrow. But this is politics and it's very, very different. Uh, she's got money. She has a belief that she would be the best president, the healthy ego that every politician has. And I don't think that she sees a reason to drop out just yet. And I don't expect that she will. She had her best fundraise. She raised more money in February, $29 million, than she had in any of the fundraising quarters before that. She had 250,000 new donors. So she feels some energy behind her campaign, dis despite the disaster that was uh, Super Tuesday for her. And all of her, if she were to drop out, all of her supporters aren't going to go to Bernie Sanders, as many people expect. There's a, a poll out that said 40% would go to Sanders and 16 would go to 16% uh, would go to Biden. 16% would also go to Buttigieg, uh, but he's not an option anymore. But the question that comes up, and it's, as I said, it was what Kamala Harris said, is somewhere along the line, you got to see if you have a path to win. And I think that if Bloomberg looks at it seriously tomorrow, and if Warren looks at it seriously tomorrow, I don't know that they can find that path. But whether it makes a difference, that's another question altogether. I'm speaking with Joe Garofoli and John Wildermuth about Super Tuesday and what we know. We'll be right back after this. Before we went to the break, we were talking about a path to winning. If it's important to have a path to winning for these candidates, can you explain to me why Tulsi Gabbard is still in this race? <laughs> uh, it's a real easy answer. Uh, she has one delegate. She won that today. But again, she's already said that she's not running for re-election in uh, Hawaii. Uh, she's got nothing much to do. She's not spending any money running for it. 
and she has things she wants to talk about and people will still listen to her occasionally. You know, I mean, it's not as though she's going to win. She knows that, but it's not as though she's got much else to do right now. So. And remember there's a, there's now a, an opening at MSNBC after uh, Chris Matthews left. So, you know, she may be auditioning for that job. How uh, she seems, she seems a little conservative. Yeah, for she, that job, maybe there's I a think. Fox. There's also been talks that she'd be <laughs> paired on, on Fox with uh, Tucker Carlson. There might be a better gig for her. That might be a better gig. When, when speaking of, we were speaking about Elizabeth Warren too, and whether or not she would drop out. Um, I, you know, we were, I was watching Twitter all night. And I have to say, San Francisco Twitter was getting nasty. Uh, the Warren people versus the Bernie people. And why are you blaming, quote unquote, the black electorate? Why are you bla- why are you blaming, quote unquote, the Latino electorate? It's getting nasty out there between these two factions. Welcome, welcome to the Bernie bros. I mean, they uh, everybody. I say, there were some Warren sisters, too. Yeah, but everybody <laughs> complains that Bernie's people are very, very tough on anybody that they believe is, uh, you know, talking against their guy. And uh, I was seeing some stuff yesterday and it said, well, Elizabeth Warren can stay in, but she better not say anything bad about Bernie. Okay. I mean, it's not the way it generally works, but, uh, you know, if that's the way they feel, I don't think that uh, anybody can force her out. I think she's got a strong feeling about what she believes is right and what she believes needs to be said. And I don't think she's going to give that up. But she's, you know, after that 20 million, 29 million dries up, no, no funders going to back her. I mean, that's, that's the thing when the money dries out. No, then... but could she be invited to the next debate? Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause she, she'll, so pick she'll up some, I don't uh, know what the numbers well, are, but, uh, well, she'll pick up some delegates. Today. Yeah. She'll yeah. Get, and it's anybody and who so, gets a delegate. So, Tulsi, so Tulsi's in there. Tulsi's in. And so's Bloomberg. I, yeah, I thought I saw that they were going to rewrite those <laughs> rules, but maybe, Maybe not that's, in time. That's one thing about having a private <laughs> club. You can always rewrite the rules. <laughs> John, uh, when we were walking down here, you were talking about um, some interesting things you saw happening in congressional elections in California. Yeah. Uh, well, two years ago, uh, Democrats flipped uh, seven Republican-held congressional districts. And that was you know, one of the big uh, factors that led to uh, the Democrats taking control back of the House and making Nancy Pelosi speaker. Well, the Republicans have said all along that uh, that was an aberration. It was a one-time thing. Those are Republican districts, and they're going to stay Republican districts. Well, at least tonight, uh, they're making real inroads to taking those districts back. Uh, When last I looked, and it could change very quickly, uh, in five of those districts, the uh, Republican candidate was leading. Uh, And uh, in a couple of those, they were leading by substantial numbers. Now, the thing to watch for is that two years ago, Republicans had leads on election night in a number of these races. And as more of the votes got counted, Democrats ended up taking the lead in all those. So that could change now. But right now, it looks like they have solid candidates and a, a solid chance uh, to maybe flip some of those districts back come November. Well, it seems particularly surprising given that Trump essentially wasn't on the ballot. There wasn't a real reason unless you were very passionate about, you know, statewide bond measures to come out if you were a Republican. So the fact that more of them would be voting for a Republican than the Democrats seems pretty important. Well, yes, but uh, typically, though, Republicans have a much better record of voting in primary elections. Democrats typically don't turn out low, uh, low percentage voters, occasional voters. They'll show up for a presidential election, but they won't show up for a primary. And that's what the uh, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee 
has been putting out all over saying, hey, we were we were behind after the primaries two years ago, and our people showed up big time in the general election, and it's going to be even more so this year with Trump on the ballot. You know, who knows? It might be whistling past the graveyard, but certainly they're right in that uh, Democrats usually don't do as well in primaries as the Republicans do. Tomorrow we're going to start talking about the next pri- primary election coming up. Um, what are the big ones on the horizon that might be the deciding factors? Well, we have an, another Western primary uh, coming up in Arizona. Uh, that's going to be on the 17th, I believe. And uh, that's going to be an interesting state because that is a state that is in transition. Uh, it, it is a uh, for, you know, long time, uh, you know, home of a Barry Goldwater uh, and very, very, conservative. very conservative, but it's changing as the demographics of Arizona are changing. And, you know, for years, uh, Californians would go to Nevada to canvas and to, into, uh, campaign that state. Now many are going to Arizona. So there's a, there's a great connection with California there. And we, there's a big Senate race there where, uh, Mark Kelly, the astronaut, Democrat is taking on Martha McSally. Gabby Gifford's husband. Gabby Gifford's husband is taking on um, Martha McSally, who's the uh, incumbent, but she's only been there a couple years. She's an appointed years. incumbent, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, for John but, McCain's seat. Uh, again, a former uh, Air Force pilot, which goes well with the, uh, the conservative base in uh, Arizona. So we also have a few local races on and i know you guys were looking intently at the national races but it seems that we had quite a few tax and spending measures go down in california not as much in san francisco but the sales tax in marin and sonoma to pay for the smart train was seems like it's going down contra costa county seems like they've rejected the sales tax measure for transportation projects uh, in very early returns, voters uh, statewide were rejecting the largest state school facility bond in history. In San Francisco, we had bonds okayed for city college and earthquake safety, but the so-called vacancy tax that would punish landlords for keeping empty retail spaces, that is right. I think it's like five votes, give or take either way when I was looking at that. And we will be updating all of those on sfchronicle.com through the night and into the morning. We also have our election results page there. You can keep pushing refresh and see the results as they come in. Gentlemen, time to go to bed. <laughs> but only for a little while because we've got to come back and write again tomorrow morning. It's always a back. short night after it's election. It's a short <laughs> night. Well, get some sleep. Thank you very much. Thank you to Joe Garofoli and John Wildermuth for being with me tonight. Thanks to King Kaufman and Erica Carlos for staying up late with us and producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 